Hi, and welcome to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me, Dave Drimmy. In this podcast, I give you ideas, insights, information, and inspiration to help you achieve your potential in business and in life. So let's get stuck into this week's show. So hey, everyone, it's Dave Drimmy from the Wealthy Wednesday podcast, and boy, have we got a show for you today. Tell you what, we've got the amazing Paula Wingate here today, and she is going to share with us, following on from this series about people first culture, Paula's going to share with us um, some insights on how to create that in your business. Paula's amazing. She's a friend of mine. We've known each other for some time now, and uh, she's one of the most fantastic people that you will ever meet. She's actually got her own story, but she's a coach. She buys and turns around businesses. But importantly, she is creating impact in the world through a program, Influential Mind. So, Paula, are you here? I am here. Thank you so much for inviting me onto this amazing podcast. I've been secretly begging to come onto this, by the way. I've been like, Dave, Dave, I'm here. But I've now managed it. So thank you so much for introducing me. Oh, listen, fantastic. And genuinely, with warmth, I say, I appreciate everything you do. You you put some amazing content out on LinkedIn, for example, and it's all service-based. You're always trying to help people think differently. And I believe mindset is a big element of what you do with your clients, correct? Yeah, big time. It's one of the things that makes a massive difference because your brain, your mind, is responsible for up to 90% of your results. So does it make sense to ignore it and then work on strategy? If your mind's not ready for the strategy, you've got to do the mind work first, the inner work first, and then get used to the strategy. So yeah, I'm a, a right, I would say right mind, mind hacker, I would say. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, Paula, we're going to discuss, obviously, people first culture and building culture in the business, hiring and everything related to that. Um yeah. But before we do that, I wonder, um, could you give us a, a kind of a quick snapshot of, of the journey you've taken all, all the way through to where you are today and, and the amazing impact that you're actually giving people? Yeah, yeah. So I've been a coach for 25 years in a weird way, not gone out to get that. So I worked for McDonald's, ended up being a head trainer, um, got myself into a bank, turned out to be then from start to fit, you know, from from beginning to working with top managers and helping them with performance management. So I ended up in coaching again. And then uh, football, ended up in coaching then. Uh, and then when I quit quit uh, the bank, I thought, oh, well, let's do a mindset um, coaching course. And oh, let's do the mindset, uh, help people with mindset. And it turns out to be a coach again. Um, but this time I got um, headhunted by a, a really good, amazing business coaching company. And they said, Paula, would you come in and coach the coaches to be business coaches? And I'm like, okay, then let's see where this goes. Um, I said, that's fine. I, said, I can do mindset, but what's going to happen with the business side of it? Um, and I said, don't worry, we can teach you how to do that. And boy, did they do that. And, you know, a really great mentor in there taught me how to do business. And I'm like, why is no one teaching this at school? Like, why is no one teaching this these things as employees? Like I was begging as an employee to make a difference and serve and be that game changer or that one of those wheels in the cog that just changes everything. And every time I tried to pop up over the you know the like the pot, I would say they'd be like, "Get back down!" And then it's like one of those wagamole things. Yeah, yeah. Get back down! And I was just knew I was a born entrepreneur, but I just didn't understand it. Um, I was just one of those weirdos, like, got this idea, no, or what, think about this mindset, no, 
And it really made it really, that experience really got me to understand they're not getting the best out of people in, in these big corporations. Like yeah. these people are just willing to work and be a game changer. And you've got somebody popping you back down. And I'm like, that, that needs to change. So when I started then working with other businesses and going in, and one of the goals was to get the best performance out of each individual. So, for example, you know, like when I ask a, a business owner, so what's the KPIs of your employees? Sorry, KPIs? What are you talking about? I'm like, okay, like your performance? Like what, what targets do they have? What? And I'm like, okay. And it was like after even these, these 50 million pound turnover companies, still the same compared to somebody at 500 grand, no KPIs. I'm like, but how do you get the best out of your workers? Like how can you get three and a half times return per salary for every every employee? They're like, what? And I was blown away that these people, these business owners didn't think about every person can be a profit. So if you give them a thousand pounds, you can make three and a half grand from them. So why not, you know, put um, process in place to get that best performance out of them? So I was like, okay. So then I ended up in football, working with professional footballers. So what do I go and do? Go and revolutionise these um, premiership clubs. And they're like, where do you get this brain from, Paula? And I don't know. I, it just, I like getting the best returns out of people. And one of the things is clear guidance of boundaries. What do you want from them? What do you expect out of them? And then coaching between A and B and getting them there. Um, so, yeah, that's what I love doing, basically. So what I'm hearing here is there is a theme going throughout your professional career yes. of looking for excellence in people and coaching them to achieve it. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, everybody gets out of bed because they don't just get out of bed to watch TV. They get out of bed to make a difference, be that game changer, serve. Um, they they want to feel amazing. They want to feel fulfilled. But yet most employees are trained to get out of bed to fill a nine-to-five slot. So it doesn't matter if they're on Facebook. It doesn't matter if they're on LinkedIn. It's between nine and five, right? I've got to fill my time. Whereas if we flip it and go, right, I tell you what, do your, tar- do your daily target today, and as soon as you finish, Get yourself off home. You know, if you finish at one o'clock, get yourself off home or bank the time. If you finish by 10 o'clock, get yourself off home. Um, and teach these employees to be sharper. Like not to fill the time, but to actually, how do I actually do my job in a quality, high quality return, hit my targets, let the business grow, and then buy, go and, go and take a rest day. Just like a footballer would do, if that makes sense. Absolutely. But I think that's a lovely way of putting it, actually, and it's just um, just reflecting on that just now. If we can inspire people, particularly post-COVID and what have you, um, or, or post-lockdown, I should say, COVID's still here. My daughter just uh, got COVID just uh, two days ago, so that's a bit oh, sad. No. But, but in terms of um, performance, if we can excel in a shorter period of time, then the the employees or the team are allowed to take time off that's just such a wonderful way to help them go and spend more time with their family but cram in as much work as possible that can optimize the performance of a company yeah it's a no-brainer like you know like i see this nine to five or fill the nine to five strategy and they don't hit the targets and i go why are you here then like how do you feel if you don't hit your targets where's your fulfillment where do you feel special and they go, we don't, we just come in and do the job, Paul. And then I go, and I'll go, okay. And how would you feel if we did it the other way, where you felt brilliant, you felt fulfilled, and you learned how to hit your daily target in the shortest piece of time, 
just like an athlete would do. So Usain Bolt has trained his body to hit that 100 meter target in the quickest time possible to earn the much much of the money as possible. And I'm thinking, well, everybody's an athlete, whether you're a business, whether you're an employee, whether you are a footballer, everyone's an athlete. So why are we not training our body to return or be stronger or be sharper to return these these returns for whatever business or your, your, your family or your friends and, and, and play at this, this level of steady messing about and fanning about, getting straight to the point. I think it, what's going through my mind at the moment is that um, when I think back through, through a lot of my career as a quantity sphere and what have you, there was, you, you had a job title. There's a project, get on with it. But there was no job description per se. And I hear and see a lot of people who are actually, you know, you're an, you're an accountant. But does that just mean you're working on numbers or what tends to happen is they've got two or three or four or five roles even to to complete. So it seems to be there's confusion. Whereas if we just had a, a singular, going back to high performance and Usain Bolt, he's like he's only training or was only training to optimize his speed. Whereas maybe colleagues in a business, because they don't have a, a job description stating exactly what they should be doing and it should be optimized toward the strengths, they they then get a bit off track and maybe the, the, the business is asking for them to do too many things. Do, is, is that a fair comment? It's a, it's a good point. It's a really good point. But if you think of Usain Bolt, he's got his nutrition to work on. He's got his um, strength to work on, his mindset to work on, um, his technique and skill to work on. So that could be the same as an accountant where you've got You've got your compliance to work on. You've got um, somebody's bookkeeping to work on, so where you need to go in and be in a financial director to work on. Then making sure your systems are working okay in the accountancy, and then making sure your sales and marketing is working. It'll be the same thing if that makes sense. Hmm. But this is what I found. If I when I was an employee, right, I wanted to be a game changer, but I fanned about so much. So I'm thinking. I'm working from six in the morning to 10, 11 o'clock at night, going back in and having that medal of, wow, I had about a 16 hour day yesterday. And I'll go, yeah, I worked really hard. I didn't have time to do much. In fact, I could only eat a chip butty during that day. It was, it was hard. And then I'll be like, but where's my job list? I got nothing done. Why did I not get anything done? Because I wasn't focused. Why wasn't I focused? Well, my mind was elsewhere playing with stocks and shares. I was playing stocks and shares all the time. I'm like, but then, okay, why am I now having to cram all my work in by the end of the month and work even extra, take my targets, when really I'm thinking I'm working long hours and being really hard working, when I didn't have a, I didn't have a to-do list. I didn't have a, you know, when you use a Parkinson law where you, you put the time, you fit the time into that schedule. So if I'm going to take five hours to do something instead of one hour, I take five hours to do that thing. And I'm thinking, why did I do that? And then when I look back, it's like, I just have to fill my time. Yeah. And in, t- in today's environment where there's so much amazing technology um, to provide answers, chat GPT being one at the moment, which is just phenomenal, yeah. um, that efficiency is now more and more able to happen within the business. Uh, but sometimes uh, an employer might think, oh, we just got to fill the seats over there and keep people in between nine and five. So it's a kind of two-way street. It kind of comes comes from the leadership downwards, doesn't it? It's um, defining 
who you need in a business to optimise the business, I think, from the outset. Yeah, that's it. Totally is. When I um, when I work with footballers at, you know, at pro level or amateur level, they've got 90 minutes, maybe two lots of 90 minutes in a week to justify their 100 grand a month or 50 grand a month salary or 300 grand a month salary, right? And if you think about it, what do they have to do training-wise to be at that optimum level to deliver that amount of return for, from, for the, the football club. And if you think about that as an employee, you think, right, I've only got so many hours to show my boss how many how amazing I am. But then as a business owner, you're like, but there's no there's no track of what we expect from you. Like we don't you don't have any KPIs. So you're you're floundering thinking, well that must be okay and that must be okay. So I'll just I'll just do what I need to do to think I'm brilliant brilliant. And then they end up maybe getting sacked because they didn't have that guidance to go, this is what we want from you every day, and this is how you do it, and we're going to monitor it, and we're going to really drive you forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally. Listen, fabulous. This is amazing. What I am keen to learn from you is, we, we, we were speaking recently about a company that you, you went into work with in the manufacturing space. Yes. And you've done some amazing stuff there. Remind me again, you... You went in to meet the owners, you grew it, helped them grow to a million, and there's a run rate, they're on track to do 10 million at the moment, is that right? So I went in there and they were doing 300 grand a month, and they wanted to hit the 6 million rate, so the 500 grand a month, uh, and we, we sorted that out in, in just four months. Wow. And that's Maybe. no disrespect to anybody leading that company, but it was like, oh, there was nobody leading that company in the way that motivated those staff. And I don't, that's not to slag those guys off because those guys are, have been incredible growing the business where it is. But I'm like, if they had leaders, if the staff had leaders where they got on with them, that place would be a gold mine. Mm. And it was only because, you know, like um, the gentlemen were brilliant. They're exceptional at what they do, but they just might not have the people skills. And they needed that glue between, they needed someone to go in there and glue between the employees and the leaders, mm. and that place would be firing on all cylinders, if that makes sense. But, yeah, so we took them from 300 grand to 500 grand in, in four months, and then it was there, then for them to keep it keep it going as a run rate. So, yeah, um, they're doing amazing at the minute, absolutely incredible. So it's a phenomenal story, but for any business to scale, it tends to be there's a blockage with a business owner, okay? The bottleneck, it tends to be the business owner in many respects, from what I've seen, could be wrong. But what I'm keen to understand from your experience through everything you've done, whether it be football clubs or, or business or everything through your life, how do you build two things? How do you build culture? And then how do you find the best people to plant into that culture? Oof, good question. So building culture is like building an environment. Wherever you... If whatever environment you work in equals your results that you get out, that makes sense. Yep. So if you work in a, if I told you about my sausage machine, no, no, right, it's just slightly going off it, but you know, you've got a sausage machine and whatever goes into your sausage that goes into the machine and it gets cooked, what comes out equals what comes out, right? So yep. if you put shit into your sausage, what's yep. going to come out of that machine? The, it's not going to be tasty sausages, put it that way. Exactly. And if I put greatness into my sausage, what's going to come out of my machine? Awesome. 
lovely stuff. Yeah, and it's the same with the environment, right? If you work in an environment where it's messy, chaotic, um, no structure, no control, um, no way of getting the best out of your staff, you're going to get the same outcome. Yeah. Whereas if you grow a culture that gets the best out of people and helps them feel like they can hit their greatness, your culture is going to be megatastic. Um, and when I worked for First Direct, I really experienced an amazing culture, an absolutely incredible culture that everyone really, really speaks highly of it. Um, and then I got a taste of a, a toxic culture. And I was like, whoa. And that actually got me going, I'm trying to beg to work here, but you're getting the worst out of me. I'm starting to fight against you and I'm not that type of person. And it got me thinking, how do you grow a great culture? So just going back to my time in that position, there was a couple of things that I wanted that I've brought into my coaching that's really grown incredible people is find out about how they feel <laughs> on how, you know, get them to feel, how do they feel fulfilled? What, if they wanted to be a game changer, what's their, what's their plan? And why are they not taking ownership of their own personal development? So what I mean by that is when I was in corporate, I was one of those high performers that never got personal developed. Now, can you, can you hear my word in there? I was a high performer that never got personal developed. That says it all. I was waiting for someone. I was waiting for the business to say, Paula, here's your development. What? Where's my own personal development? Where, why did I not go out and develop myself? Like, why did I not take ownership of that? And as soon as that clicked, when I was, I think, 37, it then never stopped for me. I was just like, whoosh. So it gets me thinking when I go into, into um, companies, I'll be asking, so how do you get your staff to take ownership of their own personal development? Hmm. That's a really, really interesting question, actually, because in my own experience, you're just expected to do the job. Yeah. But again, in my own personal experience, you're expected to do that, but you're never asked, how do you get to, you know, you expect to do more than that, actually, but how do, how do you bridge the gap between where you are and where you could be? Yeah. So I, I think that's the power of good coaching or good questions when coaching, I think. Um, so in in taking a little bit further, what are the steps would you say to go deeper than that, that you could help a company that you would take a company through to help build culture? First step being obviously determining the the thermostat of, of the folks in there and finding out if, if they are being asked, what makes you fulfilled? This is a super question because it's, it's something that's hard to say until you're in the moment. Um, but when I go into companies, I'll do a, I'll, I'm terrible, I'll do an audit upon an audit to really get to the bottom of it. Like what is going on? And then I do a, a B-Sport action plan for what's going on. So for that managing uh, managing factoring company, when I was in there, I did the audit. Didn't really appreciate what they actually, the staff was actually telling me until I was in it. So they brought me into the front office, but you never saw how big the, the factory was. I mean, the factory was like, oh, maybe a mile long and a mile wide. Wow. Wow. And it's got all the, it's got this system that goes from step to step, step to step. And I'm like, bloody wow. And they had the operation working fantastically. Yeah. But the only thing is the staff just went working as a team, but I never appreciated it until I was actually in it. And I was like, 
wow, let's change that action plan. Um, and it was like then building up the culture of a team to work together, if that makes sense. Like, yes. so, I, so I don't know if you've ever seen my bullshit buzzer. Hey, okay, I see it. Yeah. So I bring this to, out to everyone because everyone's got an element of bullshit. And I was a real big bullshitter before I started being a coach, well, a professional coach, right? So I bring these out and I get the staff to play with it. And then I start playing a game with the staff on, right, let's identify this bullshit that's around us. And I tell you what, for the first time, it's beep, 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 but it's going on bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And the staff love it till it it gets to a point of, actually, this is my bullshit. This is what's happening with me. And then we start then tangling, untangling the bullshit. Like, where's this come from? How did you learn this? And then we, we, we whittle it down, if that makes sense. So in answer to your question, until I'm in it, I don't really experience it. Once I experience it, I go, right, this is the plan of action to then get the returns from your staff. And I always think, even if I'm with athletes or um, business owners or employees, if you get that person to own their own square, so I mean their own performance or their own goals or their own targets and they just focus on themselves, what generally happens is the team then lift each other because then they don't want to be that last one or they mm. don't want to be that mediocre one. They want to be in that top 20% of performance. And if they're not, you've got people then that are there to help you. Like it's not like a, I was in a, corpor- a corporation the other week and it was like stab, stab, stab in the back. And I'm like, your KPIs are growing a toxic culture hmm. what kpis could grow a really family feel of of each person helping each other and getting to the goal with fun happiness strength and um, joy abundance and many corporations are many many businesses that I go into are very scarcity built not abundance built not gratitude built and it, it it makes a difference. And look at that that company there from three hundred grand to five hundred grand in four months. That's all I did. I only tinkered with a few things, and that's how we got it. I, I absolutely love that. And um, guest last week, a personal friend of mine as well, um, Harlan, uh, mentioned a guy called Michael who was an ops manager who bought the, bought the business from the owner because the owner didn't really care whatsoever. Seven hundred grand. So this was in twenty nineteen. Bought it for seven hundred grand. Um, Harlan helped him grow and put in place things like core values and what have you. The business has grown to five million last year, from seven hundred grand up to five mil. Wow. And the so core values are a key component. The staff are all pulling to uh, basic work with each other. Uh, and if every quarter, if the if the company has hit twenty percent uh, gross profit, forget the exact figure. Call it twenty percent. If it hits nineteen point seven, the staff, the 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 team, I'll call them team employees, don't get don't get a bonus. But if they go over uh, over the GP level, everyone gets a bonus. So everyone in the team is working with each other. You talk about family. If somebody's not pulling the weight, everyone else is going. Come on, come on. How can we help you do that? Not get it done. It's how can yeah. we help you? Do it? Amazing. I love that. I love that. And you know, many people just brush over core values. You know, like I went into a company the other day and it says honesty and it says respect, uh, responsibility. And I was like, what does this really mean? Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, I don't know. It's just on there. And we're like, well, what does the managers do to get you to live these values? 
nothing. Yeah. It's just on there. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Yeah. And then um, one, one thing, I went to a company and it stands out massively and it said, don't be a dick. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what does that really mean? And yeah. the staff was like, well, if you if you behave this way, that way, this way, that way, then you're being a dick and we won't appreciate it and we will call you out. And I was like, whoa. And it just got to me actually how they use that anchor of, so it's a controversial anchor that got the staff attracted to the core values and then remembered it. And they, they, they sit down every month through their one-to-one system and ticked whether they're being a dick or not. So interesting. Could you, could you imagine having a job advert uh, <laughs> and at the bottom it just says, P.S. No dicks allowed. <laughs> wow. Well, it's 2023. You never know these days, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely, yeah. Oh, my God. That's a whole different topic anyway. Yeah. So, um, so it's really fascinating. So culture is like fertile soil, really. And particularly if you've got no dicks allowed, et cetera. Everyone kind of knows what the fertile soil is. But how do you take it? How do you actually go a little bit deeper? How do you make sure that fertile soil is kept? So this is really interesting. Um, are you talking about how to get the ultimate best out of that staff member and still keep grounded? I think it's it, it, it's yes, I suppose it's 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 about the individual, but it's more about the collective, about the individuals. How do you make sure that everyone is working? You talked about family. Everyone's working together with a family. You're going to have spats and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But how does how do you get everyone to work together for the benefit of the of the company moving forward? That that type of culture is it? Just simply just working with the individuals and helping them optimize. Or, or is there a secret source over and above that? So this is a great question. Um, a couple of years ago, I don't know if anybody's heard of Sappos. Have you heard of Sappos? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to go to the head office in Las Vegas and to um, experience that culture. So there's one guy on a, he's like just got shorts on and he's in. He's on a lilo with his computer. There was one guy um, stood in a, a ball pool full of balls. There was... <laughs> He had a, a room which was a jungle room, and you could sit in this jungle room, and you just could go to a um, like a machine and get your cans of cans of pop, sh- um, your, your your crisps, your chocolate, and I'm like, what? And this to me was like, this was like, what's going on here? And then you've got the chief exec with sunglasses on and something on his head and shorts and flip flops, and I'm like, what is going on here? And what I loved was is from the top down, mm. they, they lived the culture. So the culture was be you, be genuinely you oh. and help that customer. So it was a call center helping, you know, selling shoes and there'd be customers on the phone for five hours. Now, if I was at First Direct, God love First Direct. I mean, First Direct helped people in 9-11 when they were in the building um, and it was falling down. You know, people would phone First Direct because they couldn't get access to their mums or dads, yep. but they knew they had somebody on the end of the phone, and, and that was okay. Yep. But they would never spend five or six hours talking to someone about stuff just to make that customer feel happy. They'd cut it off after a while, maybe 30 minutes, and then move on. Does that make sense? Or yep. your manager would be going, come on, zap it up. Where at Zappos, it was like, do the best whatever the customer wants. That's outstanding. I mean, I've, I haven't heard that story before, and obviously Tony Shea who set it up, and because um, they they got bought over by Amazon, didn't they? They did, and uh, they were called the Box of Happiness. So all they were delivering was happiness. So happiness with staff, 
happiness with customers, yeah. happiness around them. Um, and the way I see it, when I go into a, a business, you know the um, the ready break man? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You've seen that? Yeah. So I look at everyone's glow to see if they've got a glow around them, whether it's warm, it's cold, or it's dull, or they're just moody or toxic. Yeah. So same. This is with the energy around companies. I can see that glow. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, are they delivering happiness like Disney and Zappos and Apple delivers status? And so you deliver feelings, regardless if you're focused on it or not. What feelings is your business culture or company culture delivering? That's interesting. And I say it's interesting because, oh, God, back in 2008, I got uh, involved just. <laughs> just as the financial crash was happening. So I'd left my QSing role and I'd, I built a, a business and I went back into construction, but in a business development role to help yeah. a, a fit out company, a, a remodeling company in, in construction. And when I was going around to different offices, it was architects, surveyors, et cetera, for some unknown reason, I just used to have a chat with the receptionist and go, what's it like to work here? And I knew within 10 seconds whether it was a great company or not by the answer. If somebody just went, oh, it's brilliant. I love working here. Wow, that's amazing. And oh, if someone goes, oh, <laughs> you know, you kind of knew the thermostat of what was going on. So yeah. I love what you've actually shared there about that ready break glow and happiness. It's very, very important and fun, I would imagine, as well. Oh, definitely fun because the fun gets you extra results. You know, if somebody's happy, they'll do extra things for you, like go out that extra mile. If they're miserable or don't feel fulfilled or they just don't have satisfaction or or they've outgrown their role, they'll be the dark, dungeon feeling and they'll be like, oh. And I always look at how people walk, by the way. Do they walk, douche, 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 yeah. or do they go, dee, 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 dee. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I try to think of what, right, what music is to that beat, like how they're walking. Is it a fun yeah. beat or is it a douche? Um, and it, you can see that in the staff. So if the staff's not feeling like, like if they're not feeling healthy, they're not feeling on the ball, they feel sluggish, for example, they feel slow, you're going to yep. get the same result. And it's a bit like um, the Legacy book by Jim Kerr, which is the best book I've, I've found about leadership. And right. it's and it's like it, it like the, it's based on the All Blacks. Yep. And it's creating that culture of you know you not that you're lucky to be here, but we absolutely love having you working alongside us to achieve this. So it's feeling part of a community, yep. feeling part of a family, and you're lucky to get a place in that family. I think that book as well also, again, it goes back to No Dicks Allowed and about <laughs> the all, all the superstars took their turn in the All Blacks of just cleaning out the changing rooms, sweeping up the changing It was part of the culture yes, of excellence. Yes. And whenever there was a prima, correct me if I'm wrong, but whenever there was a prima donna who said, well, I'm not going to do that, they just were chucked out the All Blacks, weren't they? Well, they never got in in the first place. Never so, got in in the first place, that's right. That's yeah, right. so you, you know our English team years ago, the golden generation, can yeah. you imagine them cleaning cleaning the, the changing room or cleaning boots or being, you know, um, in a way that's responsible for being grounded and saying this is a minimum standard? Nah, there was out there getting out the sponsorship deals or looking brilliant at certain things. And and that's cool and that's not a problem and I'm not judging that, but I'm just thinking where would that golden generation have been if they were grounded and had 
to do those uh, chores. Like the Japan team. Oh, they're phenomenal. Wow. Again, amazing stories, phenomenal. And um, but I was having a chuckle to myself just a couple of minutes ago when you were talking about do, 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 or little legs, because I'm six foot five, and you and I going for a walk in the country together with the dogs, it would be quite interesting because um, <laughs> you've got slightly smaller legs than me. Yes, yeah, so I would be douche, douche, douche with my <laughs> limp on my leg going, oh, I'm like one of the, what's that guy that goes the bells, the bells, you know, like who's got a bad leg? What's his name? Uh, uh, um, yeah, 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 anyway. yeah, yeah, I know. Absolutely. That's so, my leg. Uh, <laughs> so culture, we've got the culture, we've got fun culture, we built a Zappos culture. And by the way, what's that book called again? I've got it in my library there. I think it's called, was it called Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea? Uh, I think it was The Box of Happiness. Box of Happiness. Well, it so might be Delivering Happiness. If, if, you, if you put Zappos happiness into Amazon, I'm sure you'll be able to get hold of it. But, um, so you've got a lovely culture, you've got fertile soil. How do you find the the people you can plant into that wonderful fertile soil? What's the what's the best way? How do you find amazing team members? Mindset. Mindset. There's a couple, yeah, there's a couple of things with that though. It's like, what tribe are you wanting to build? Ooh, like it. Yeah. So, and but then it's working out. Can you still have that same tribe with different strengths? So I'm crapper technology. Still on teletext, and I'm proud of it. Um, so for me to get the best out of me, I would need somebody opposite me. So somebody who's technology-based. So I'm people-based, they're process-based, let's work together. Yep. Does that make yep. sense? Or you've got the scientific person who loves the detail and really studies the detail, um, and you've got somebody that's free-flowing. Free Could they work together? And by working to dev- together, does it cause conflict? Mm. Or can we get it working in harmony? Hmm. Yeah, and it's and what I found when I was going into these companies is by getting them to tell their story, it got the bonding the bonding links together. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so this is going back to tribe as well. So whether somebody is more uh, techno based or people based, if they've got the same core values. They've got a story that can bond them. Would that be fair to say? Um, yes and no. So, for example, right, I might like you. We might really gel. Right. But I don't understand why you come in late and you're pissing me off. Hmm. And I'll bring detailed person as you as I am. I go, it's 15 minutes late every day, five days a week, four weeks of the month, 52 weeks of the year. You're late. Now it works out to having two extra weeks holiday. Hmm. And, you're, it's, and it's bit bugging me because I'm having to pick up the slack yeah. and I can't get my two weeks off because of you. Mm. But actually, if I'd known your story that your wife might have died three years ago and you've got kids to look after and you've got to do the nursery run or the, the school run and you're trying to keep everything together and you've, fi- you've got financial problems and actually you're trying to do overtime at another job so you're tired and you're trying to just keep everything together, then I now know your paradigm. Got you. So it's like your origin story. Yeah. So if I know why you act the way you act and I understand it, then and I might not like it. I might go, just get a grip, Dave. Hmm. But actually, because I now understand the way you act, it hmm. now answers loads of questions for me. Interesting. So it was a, it's a wonderful lady um, um, called Henel, Henel Turner. Um, she's part of the, the all-in company 
It's uh, one of Mike Mikhailovich's companies. So she she was the first guest on the People First Culture actually, and they've got a they talk about five star employees and they've got eleven qualities of a five star employee. Yeah. It's fascinating, really really fascinating. But it falls back in with the tribe aspect that you're talking about. So if you're working with a company, if you're working with a business owner, and you are determining who to bring on board, for example. How do you begin? Do you begin like with a people chart or an organization chart? Or how do you then figure out who is the best person to bring on board and then how to bring them on? Okay. So I always, you know, think of Stephen Covey, start with the end of the mind. What is it I want to achieve? And then how are we going to achieve it? So that's the way I think of it. So just say we've got the outcome. This is what I want to achieve. Now, who's going to be the game changer to help me achieve that? And I'd be always also thinking, who's actually done it before? So just say there's five people that have done it before. Let's study these people. Like, what is the best performance that these people do? Like, how do they think? How do they behave? What's the skills? What's the knowledge set? Um, how do you get the best out of them? And then what's the worst person in that as well? Mm. And then I look at, right, okay, the tribe. Does the, do the people match my tribe? Or will we argue? Or um, the ego, like if there's anybody ego, I'm not entertaining ego. If they're serving, I'll entertain you. I'll work with you. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and people say, oh, you need your ego to get the best out of people. But I see ego as low performance because if you're a high performer, you never have ego, you have serving brain. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Um, so the way I would work at it, I study how to get the best, you know, who's the best person to deliver this for me? Then we set up the jobs duties and then set up the KPIs. Then we set up the training system. Excellent. And, and most businesses don't have any coaches to train these people. Not many business owners have training departments to train these people. They'll just get a checklist and go, take that, Dave, read it, see you later. And then go, why the hell have you not done that? And mm. I go, you're not matching their learning styles. Like some people like to reflect, some people like to do, some people like to actually take a checklist and go tick, 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 tick. And some people just need to be monitored to go, you've hit the nail on the head. Well done, Dave. Let's go for the next one now. They don't. And they lose. I can't imagine how much money they leave on the table by doing that. Well, scary. Quite frightening, actually, because certainly the um, throughout my, my career, it wasn't until I left the construction industry, actually. Yeah. That my mind was open to personal growth, personal development, but boy, <laughs> was I ready for it! And even when I went back into the personal, uh, sorry, into the um, the business development role in, in construction again, it was the same again. Um, but I see it throughout. Just as you're saying, there's no kind of progression, there's no kind of root to fruit aspect of things. There's there's no what's next. Yes, and we all we all need goals, whether it's to get up in the morning and. You know, put clothes, have a shower, put clothes on, whatever it might be. We need to know where we're going for us to optimize performance. And this is what I see in the construction industry: it's just losing loads of cash, and it could make a fortune. Is the business owner will tell somebody what to do, and more often than not, just leave them to do it. Yeah. Or they might yep. tell them and show them, but there's no experience in it. So they so they tell them and show them and go here leave you and you might watch them you might see if they get on with it more often than not you just got 
what you've just done there, that brick's gone wrong or that joiner is just not there or whatever. And you're like, oh, there's no like monitoring the experience. Like, like that's a good job, Dave, you know, like it's brilliant type of thing. There's no structure to to do that, to get the best out of the team. Yeah. And there's I think no, it's fascinating. Yeah. But if you take it, so in the other sectors out there, I see it's, it's quite common that the similar aspect actually happens, would you say? Oh, it's rife everywhere. Yeah. Rife everywhere. I was um, just basing this, uh, one of the reasons why I say this is when I was doing getting my pod done, it was carnage in my, in my garden. They've got the business owner floating about and he was just picking up faults. He says to me, where's the training? There was the guy who was in charge that was then taking, because the guy was doing it wrong, taking it off him and doing it because of the time. And then they had to go back to, from Glasgow to Liverpool, two days running because this machine was broken. Wow. So there was just no profit in this pod. No. And, and they left it carnaged, right? I had to get it redone properly, which is fine, not a problem. And I'm like, what is going on with this construction company? Like, it's just chaos. Yep. Like, why don't the planet, where's the planning? Yep. Where's the system? Where's the structure? And I'm thinking, how much money are they leaving on the table because of the chaotic and the carnage? And it was the same when I went to work with this £4 million um, construction company, £4 million turnover, just 20 grand that they say. Now, I, I still question this. £4 million turnover, 20K net profit. Wow. And I'm like, where's all this money going? Absolutely. And one one of the things I found was, is that it was taking an extra two days on top of what the quality uh, quality surveyor was saying the job takes. So that's two days' money they're getting lost. So if you multiply it and multiply it or whatever, it's going to come out of the the business. But that's not the first one. I was working with a, a company that does floorboards, and they were at um, three million pounds and thirty-two okay. k net profit. How much? Thirty-two k net profit. Wow. And they were saying right. We need to grow this business. I'm like, nah, you need to sharpen this business up because if you grow yeah. it, you're going to grow it yourself into trouble because the more money comes in, the more stress, the more chaos, the more trouble you're going to get. Whereas if you sharpen it up, the more leaner you're going to be, the more of a money-making machine you're going to be. Oh, similar thing. Just um, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, yeah. with a client and they do 10 million a year. Um, and so we do, all, all we did was just a hypothetical spreadsheet Spreadsheets don't lie. <laughs> and all, all we did, we just looked at the P&L, added 5% to the top line, and uh, cost of goods just reduced it by 5%, and overheads reduced it by 5%. We took the net profit from 7.4 to uh, 15.6, just wow. by doing that. And yeah. the, the owner just kind of looked at me and went, how did you do that? I went, it's a spreadsheet. Yeah. Now we have to go in and we need to just do exactly what we said but it wasn't about doubling the turnover it was just about net profit and that's that's just the beauty of business yeah. just little tinkers like the one percent the power of the one percent sharpen whatever you're sharpening up whether it's your mindset your performance your profit your net pro- uh, your turnover your net profit your employees um just one percent and if you do it every day it increases your performance by a minimum of 3,678.02%. Absolutely. Similar, it's um, for the year. But going, going back to having uh, your colleagues' team, when your team are involved in, in sharpening up the business, 
they are literally the ones that can point out the areas that need yes. sharpening when you've got the right culture in there, which is, I guess, what, what all this is about. It's about building the right culture where the, where, where the team are actually involved in the growth of the business. They're not just bums on seats. No, and the team wants to be that game changer. They want to feel that like they're helping the business owner. In fact, if we could get employees to love the business as much as the business owner loves the business, where would the business be? Oh, Paula, that is just a great place to finish our conversation day. Our short chat has just oh, <laughs> been fantastic. I really can't thank you enough. Quick question. Um, yes. If there was one golden nugget that every business owner out there should think of and apply when it comes to building culture, what would that be? There's so many. Get to know your staff. Deep down, get to know them. Get to know what makes them tick. Get to know what where they want to be in five or ten years. Get to get them to own their own personal development. Get you know, get their mindset sharp. Fantastic. Fantastic. That, that aligns with a, a friend of mine, a very successful friend many years ago, said, David, you're either green and growing or ripe and rotten. There is no middle ground. Yeah, and uh, there's something on the back of that. One of my clients says, you could be the juiciest peach in that fruit bowl. Some people like you, some people you don't. And if you learn how to get into your flow, even your business owner, employee, or whatever, learn more about you, self-master, learn what gets the best out of you, get yourself into your flow, and maximise everybody else getting into their own floor. Outstanding. Work, work at their, their strengths. That is just a beautiful place to finish. Thank you so much, Flow. I love it. So, Paula, you've got such a wealth of experience. You've been so generous with your time and your insights today. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. If somebody would like to get hold of you um, and they have listened to this uh, podcast with you today, this show with you today, how can people get hold of you? What's the, what's the best way to get hold of you? Best way ever is LinkedIn because I'm just always on there chirping on. Um, so Paula Wingate, you'll find me. Um, alternatively, um, influentialminds.co.uk. Um, I'm there too. Um, so anybody who wants to chat, no matter who they are, what they want to chat about, just give me a ring. Just contact me on those two places and I'll be there. Fantastic, Paula. And genuinely, guys and girls, and basically Paula is so generous, um, but she's very she's very careful with her time. So it's not just a chat. It's very much she's there to serve. Um, she, If you're looking to go somewhere in life, if you really want that mindset um, and you, you want to grow to the next level. Paula is definitely the person for you. So that's influentialminds.co.uk and Paula Wingate, W-I-N-G-A-T-E on LinkedIn. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You'll get me there. And uh, and just flipping back, right, the reason why I'm happy to talk to anyone, and I don't want to end this call on this, but I'm seeing an increase in suicide rates especially along with the men's side. So if anybody wants a chat, give me a shout and I'm always here for you, no matter what. And that's just from my serving base as well. Fantastic, Paul. You're so generous. And um, I love it because you really, really care about people and, and genuinely care about who they are, what their situation is in life and genuinely want to help them. So thank you so much for that. And uh, folks, what I'd like to do today, because you've heard the show, if if anything has resonated with you today and you feel that there are people in your life that should hear what Paula's talked about today, please 
forward the link on for the podcast. The Paul's details are going to be in the in the show notes as well. Or I know this is going to be going on LinkedIn and other platforms. So tag somebody, please share the goodness because Paula is an amazing lady and I'd love to make sure that you are able to help Paula get into your friends and colleagues' lives. And so. right back at you, Dave. Subscribe to the button for Dave's podcast. They're amazing. So I'm always like um, stalking you, by the way. So subscribe and uh, even better, invest. Invest in yourself through Dave. He's, he's brilliant at what he does. Listen, thank you so much. You're wonderful. Um, so, folks, we have just we're bringing this to to an end. Another Wealthy Wednesday podcast. I hope you've got some amazing gems out today because Paul is fab, and. We're really just continuing to move this forward because Wealthy Wednesday podcast is all about you. It's about growing. Yes, it's about growing your finances, but it's about growing you as an individual. So listening to future shows, go back to this and listen to it again and the past shows as well. All we want to do is to help you become wealthy, whatever that means to you. Thank you very much. Paula, thanks again. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me, Dave Drimmy. Check the show notes below for further details on this week's episode, including links to resources mentioned in the show. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you'll find us on Apple, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. See you next week.